Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reach. I am your host, the founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group, Jessica Van. And today, it's a reunion with <laughs> Melissa Silva. <laughs> How are you, Melissa? I'm good. How are you? Good. Very good. I say reunion because we've had the pleasure of, Melissa reminded me, of working with her not just once, but it turns out twice in, uh, in your career and helping you land a couple of the positions that you've uh, held throughout your, your time as an EA. So this is especially fun. <laughs> um, and today, we're going to be speaking with Melissa about what it's like to go through an acquisition, or in your case, two acquisitions um, during the, the, the 10 years that you've had. So uh, a little bit about Melissa before we get started. Melissa was most recently the executive assistant to the president of music at Eventbrite uh, to a gentleman named Andrew Dreskin. She started out as the sole admin to Andrew and his company at the time, Ticketfly, which went through two acquisitions while she was there. Uh, the first was with Pandora in 2015, and mm-hmm. the second was with Eventbrite in 2017. And she continued to support Andrew in an ever-changing environment throughout those two acquisitions. So today, as I mentioned, she'll be speaking with us about what it's like to continue to support someone through such intense periods of change, and really how she adjusted from being a sole admin in a scrappy startup to part of a broader admin team at companies like Eventbrite and Pandora. So our goal here is to give other EAs a peek behind the curtain of what it's like to go through an acquisition and what it's like to transition and how they can do so um, successfully as well. So to, to kick us off here, um, walk us through what your original role looked like at Ticketfly when you first landed in that position. When I came across Ticketfly, um, I hadn't worked actually in a few months. I was like, I took a little break a little bit to step back to see if I wanted to be an EA office manager still. Um, And then I had always been in contact with Maven, um, you know, and always said, please shoot me any opportunities that look cool, interesting and fun. And then this one came up and of course, you know, the whole, the process of, I can't tell you who it is, but they do ticketing for Burning Man. And my thing was like, what the hell is Burning Man? I don't know what that is, but I can, <laughs> <laughs> I could do a quick Google. Sounds dangerous. Sounds I don't dangerous. Know. <laughs> I'm clearly not that cool. So I Googled it and, I, you know, obviously the stuff pops up. It's like, you know, Ticketfly is the ticketing company for Burning Man. And so... I go and do it very nonchalantly. I was like, okay, I'll go and check it out and see how it is. And the first, it was marketed to me as an executive assistant slash stage manager, Hmm. which they had all these hip names, you Mm -hmm. know, for the cool operation roles. Right. Um, So AKA office manager. Um, And I went in, I had three interviews. Um, Immediately, I was in love with all three of them. They didn't let me meet Andrew just yet. They were like, 
that's when you should mentally prepare for, like, just to be in the room with him. And at that point, it's like, well, who, okay, like, who is this, <laughs> who is this guy? guy? Yeah, that like, that's not reassuring. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was all of the things, like, the job responsibilities that I was used to. It was, you know, managing the front desk, all of the vendors, contractors, onboarding, offboarding, um, building facilities, Um they had contracted out facilities like maintenance and things like that. Um, and then that role would also be the manager for the front desk, which it hadn't been before. And the VP of HR just didn't want that responsibility for that person anymore. She was over it. So she wanted this person to take that on. The other side of that was to be the executive assistant to Andrew. Um, and just to him, there was one other EA who was the, uh, who supported the COO, Steve Oliver. Um, and she had only been there for three months at the time that I was interviewing. Um, and so it was solely to support him, all of his, you know, logistics planning, his party planning, everything, you know, flights and all of that stuff. A little bit of personal things, not too much. Um, and I'm like, okay, I could this looks fun. I could do this. The office looks fun. It's scrappy. It's industrial. It looks like a three-story man cave. Let's see what this <laughs> looks you know, like. You know, let's see what let's this, see this There's a lot of leather, you know. <laughs> Easier to maintain. A lot of leather. Can doesn't stain. Clean it up. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, this, I could be here every day. You know, you walk in, you're like, can I be here yeah. every day? You have to have that feeling. And I did have that feeling there. It was very welcoming. It was, it was fun. Um, and so that's like I came back for that interview with Andrew and I wore I was going me and my husband were going to like this we were going somewhere I don't even remember but I had on ripped jeans and this top and I just walked in did this interview real quickly cuz I'm like I'm not getting this like there's no way and I met him and I talked with him for almost 2 hours which is shocking for this guy. Was your husband waiting in the car He was that outside. Whole time? No, Perfect. we took Bart. He was outside. Perfect. <laughs> Pacing. <laughs> so, um, you know, immediately walking into this, and I know there's a lot of people listening that will not, they don't know Andrew, never talked to him, but he's, they did warn me that he's one of those guys that he takes his time talking you know, he's, he really likes to make you feel uncomfortable, stares at you until you're like, dude, what? And then, you know, starts talking. And so I did really well with that. Not that I'm the same way, but I was like, okay, I see the game that's going on here. And I made an effort to kind of get on his level, understand him. And then that day, he's like, could you promise me like, you know, two years? And I was like, dude, I could promise you two years and a wedding invitation because I was getting married (laughs) in a month. And he's like, all right. Cool. And then we like left it at that. And the manager for the role called me that night at like 730. And I actually couldn't tell her yes right away because she wanted me to come in the next day because I was actually like babysitting. I was like a babysitter in the meantime as I was job hunting. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm watching twins. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how like I landed there. It was really like I, like, didn't plan on it whatsoever. It just kind of came up, and it, honestly, it was the best. It was just kind of serendipitous. Yeah. 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 So when first 
when you first came on board, it sounds like, as you said, it was a little bit Almost like what you expect in an early stage startup. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, right? I, I really did get the sense of um, they wanted to be big, but they wanted to keep the small feel. Mm-hmm. And that's always nice, but al- always at a certain point, you can't stay like that. Um, and they were still very, very scrappy. Um, they did let me know that I would have the freedom to make decisions and, you know, kind of take the office where I wanted it to go. I could, you know, be that culture person for them because they didn't have that person um, and no one wanted to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the time in my life at that point, I had all the time in the world to be that. And so I was like, yep, I'll I'll take this and run with it. And I could build out a small little scrappy team and we can be ticket fly. Mm-hmm. So then came the acquisition the first one. Yeah. Maybe not immediately. Maybe it wasn't quite that quickly, but... Oh, it was, it was fairly quickly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was pretty quick. I started there in September of okay. 2015. Okay. Um, and I got married October 3rd, 2015, mm-hmm. which is a Saturday. Did Andrew, in fact, go to your wedding? He did not go to my wedding. <laughs> did tell me he, he sent did? a gift. No. Oh. The Friday before, <laughs> I, re- I was very nervous in the beginning, right? He was like... He because I thought he he was like really cool to me. I was like, oh man, I'm not a rock star. I'm not on this slow pace like rock and roll level. So I, I tiptoed very much because I wanted to really figure him out. It was a lot of watching. I was like staring from afar, whether he knew it or not. I was always staring from afar. Um, and I had asked him, can I take off Thursday and Friday because I'm getting married Saturday? And he's like, yeah, of course, definitely. Well, he actually texted me the Friday before to see if I could babysit Saturday. And I was like, well, I'd love to. Absolutely. Right after I, I say I do, I... I'll be right over there. <laughs> but I'm actually, I'm getting married. He's like, oh, my God, I completely forgot. Have fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that happened. And I had to come into work Monday to start planning the Pandora announcement and oh, the party. Wow. So it was, that quick. it was that quick of a turnaround. So I, I did that for a couple of weeks and then we later that announced. And so it was it was pretty early on when I got there. Great. So it was a huge like Yep. I came into one, I yep. quickly transitioned into another. Into another. So on that note, how did Andrew's priorities change through Certainly that acquisition, but, you know, ultimately there was another acquisition that you guys went through mm-hmm. together. So w- tell us a bit from the perspective of being his EA through those those periods of, of change, what what that was like and how did his needs as an executive change and evolve? His needs changed in a way that so I was only there for a month when Pandora started. So I got a lot of the information from the previous EA and had that one or two days with the previous EA to go through his calendar, um, you know, and be like, what are all these names? Like, the names of these meetings, I don't know what they are. And so he he gave me the rundown, gave me what his priorities were. A lot of his priorities at the time were how to tell Ticketfly and how mm. to tell, like, how to tell how to manage that an crew yeah. because they were so close-knit. Yep. Um, and, you know, he had started TicketWeb, and that sold to Ticketmaster beforehand. So a lot of these people were, like, OG with him, like, from the beginning, from, like, scrappy warehouse days. 
And so then, you know, he brought them to Ticketfly and then Ticketfly grew into being huge success. And so he was really trying to maintain the smallness of Ticketfly while incorporating the, you know, very much corporate ginormous Pandora. Um, The good thing about that, though, was that we didn't fully integrate with Pandora. It was more of like a side-by-side partner. Hmm. Um, So it was, you know, it was Ticketfly by Pandora. Mm. Um, and a, a lot of it was I had to really hide that until he physically announced it to everybody. I mean, and no one thought that I would even know anyways because I was so new. Um, and I it was a lot of a learning curve for me to ask all these questions of like, who is this meeting with? Um, how important are they to you? Um, how long do you need? You know, what can I say on this deck type of things? Because... I didn't know. It was I didn't know at all. And and whether or not I was I you know, at most times I was like I'm probably so annoying right now because I'm asking all these questions, but if I don't ask, I don't know what I'm doing. Um and so it was kind of, you know, I had to explain a little bit like I don't know this. Can you explain this? And he was fine with that. Like it was it was totally fine. I just think it was probably a little too often. Um but there was no one else I could really ask because no one knew. Um, and so a lot of the, so yeah, a lot of the culture stuff was his, his big deal. Um, and mainly just that it was, you know, who's going to have to go sit at Pandora versus who gets to stay on Townsend street. I remember asking him a question in our interview and I said, what type of things does a person like you like think about at night? Like, why can't you sleep? Mm -hmm. And his answer was, you know, it's, you guys, it's it's everyone that sits out here. I worry that I'm going to do something wrong or I'm going to make the wrong decision or I'm talking to the wrong people about how to move us forward. And so that's like a big telling thing, too, for me about why I was like, OK, I could do this. Like this is the place I could totally work at and like thrive at and support loyally. Mm-hmm. And those were the people that quickly became like work fam. Yep. So given what you said that his one of his biggest priorities during the acquisition was was managing the messaging and you know really getting that right and making sure that he was able to make people feel secure um safe that they understood the reasons for mm-hmm. all of these things right so what specifically was your role in that um did you have a, a direct hand in kind of how he navigated those things um, my direct hand at kind of navigating that was, um, I mean, we had a PR person. Mm-hmm. We had um, Lori, VP mm-hmm. of HR, who was my manager at the time. Um, it wasn't so much of me having a hand in how he said anything or how it was scripted. It was, I was kind of like damage control for the people who were upset or the people who were trying to get to him to, you know, alleviate some frustration or who had concern right I didn't want him bombarded with a lot of that I mean we always have like you know open door policy we were the whole office is very open and free and so um people were very comfortable with just going in there and talking and he's fine with that but at that moment in time that wasn't something he wanted to really get into because it would snowball Mm -hmm. and so um my part in that was basically to build relationships with everybody and just reassure them, like, this is what's happening. This is what's being talked about. I'll let you know if it changes. 
you know, I'll send an email out, you know, things logistically, that was my part. And if anyone had to move anywhere, that was my part. If I had to go convey a message to somebody about whether or not they get to stay here or they get to move or mm-hmm. what where their teams are all going, that was also my part. Um, so it was just to, to calm people down yeah. for him. Yeah. So he wasn't getting so belt like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and helping to diffuse his message, right? Mm-hmm. Because like what you said when you asked him, what keeps you up at night? I mean, he told you very earnestly and honestly what that is. And I think that taking that as sort of your cue of how can you extend that humanity and that kind of like sense of calm, because obviously there's only so much he can radiate, right? Like he's one person. So he needs you to really help diffuse and and radiate his intention around all of those things, Mm -hmm. which it sounds like you did really effectively. Yeah. During all of these transitions, um, did you ever consider parting ways? And, you know, obviously, like you and Andrew had an incredible connection and still do have an incredible connection. <laughs> um, but there's there's sort of like the, you support the person, but you also support the organization. And those are can be two very different things, as we saw with the, the types of transitions and acquisitions that you went through. So did you ever consider like, gosh, you know, I love the guy, but... I'm not sure that I'm down for all of these different types of environments. No. I I definitely early on was like, I'm going to go through this until we end up wherever we're going to end up. I was definitely like, I'm going to be a ride or die with this executive um, until, you know, one of us goes. And I always had said that, you know, I always told him, I was like, if either of us goes, I'm going to put my money on you. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, our our relationship quickly grew. I think that um, it was helpful in the fact that for me as an executive assistant, I'm very very easily – I can adapt very easily. Um, I'm not afraid of change. I'm super flexible. Um, and I think a, th- a thing with that, too, is is he – You kind of, I kind of had to mold him a little bit because my role at Ticketfly was also, don't forget, the stage manager. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, his stuff was priority number one for me all the time. Um, and then when I did have other things, you know, he's like, hey, Mel, I want to put this quote on the wall next week. And you're like, <laughs> well, okay. And he's like, let's, you know, figure that out. I'm like, well, okay, let me put that on my, like, to-do list to right. find someone to put a big quote what on the wall. The quote? <laughs> um, and so things like that, like right. the building and, you know, random things. And he'd look at me like, re- like really like, okay. Because sometimes I feel like he'd forget that ah, she also – is responsible, is responsible for all of this. For the, office. the man cave. The man cave. The three-story I man mean, what cave. What do you think here? Wasn't there a story about squatty potties? Oh my gosh, yeah. Squatty potties had just like came out. Like I'm pretty sure they were on like Home Shopping Network or whatever. And someone had asked me at lunchtime if we could get squatty potties for all of the stalls in the the office because they were, you know, beneficial to employee health or whatnot and 
you know, you try to keep it you like a straight face and also what the hell is a squatty potty? <laughs> you know, you Google it. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, no, we cannot have squatty potties, you know, readily available in the stalls. Like, no. Yeah. Thank you for the suggestion. Noted. We will review. I will review. And get back to you. Yeah. You can put that in the suggestion box that we don't have. But yeah, exactly. You were managing a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and a thing like that, too, is I, I loved it. It really, for me, broke up my day and the responsibility. So it was really fun for me to, like, come in in the morning, take care of Andrew. And, I mean, he, the guy rolled in at 10. Rock and roll time, right? Nothing before 10. And so, um, and then, you know, manage that stuff. And then by noon, I was able to do the rest of the office and do my rounds there and take care of vendors here, whatever. I was always doing something. I was never bored. Um, and that's what made it fun for me. And I think at a, at a company that scaled at that moment, you know, about 100 to 120 people, it's easy to do that. And it's fun to do that. So what types of challenges did you encounter during these periods of transition? And how did you overcome them? I have never, ever worked at a place that had another EA. Hmm. So when Pandora came along, I was I had been emailed, someone had emailed me a list of names and who they supported. And I was just like, what? <laughs> yeah. And so it was a lot of navigating who was who. Um, and like who had to be in the right meeting. Um, you know, Pandora's in Oakland. We're in San Francisco. There's a lot of logistics. Um, you know, we can't meet at Pandora because this is going on. So we need to meet, you know, at a, a WeWork. Or we're going to come to San Francisco this day, but it can be only in the morning. Like a lot of logistical things. And they do things a lot differently there where, like, you know, we were very flexible all the time. There wasn't a lot of us. Um, and it was just me. So if you needed to time with any of the 10 VPs there, ask Mel. And so people were f- shocked by that. They were like, okay, <laughs> is she real? Like, yeah, I'm real. Yep. Um, and then for me, it was like trial and error. I was like, how do I get to this person? Um, and what, how, you know, what am I allowed to say in an email and how my language had to change. I, th- I thought my language had to change a mm-hmm. lot in my tone in mm-hmm. my emails. Would you say it was a more formal, structured expectation around communication? It was definitely more formal. Um, Not a lot of, you know, not a lot of exclamation points going on in there. No, no, not so much happy faces? Not so many happy faces. My emojis disappeared for a minute. Like, yeah, that wasn't happening in there. And that was fine. I became really good friends and still friends to this day with a couple of them over there. Um, because Pandora is also very seasoned, mm-hmm. a lot of the EAs there were also very seasoned. So they had been there with their executives for a really long time. Um, and because of that, they helped me, you know, navigate through everything and how Pandora executives worked. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that there would be more layers that you'd have <laughs> to sift through, that the organizational structure would be entirely different and learning how to navigate a massive organizational structure with layers versus just, okay, great, ping mail and make it happen. Totally different. Communication expectations, communication style, totally different. Um, That's a a lot. And you're suddenly having to 
as the conduit, right, between these two entities, you're having to navigate and blend very different, very bipolar operating styles. Yeah. And kind of figuring out how can these two entities communicate. And that's, I think that was the thing too, right, is, you know, Andrew being his background and who he is and he, you know, comes from music really early on. He follows the Rolling Stones all over the country. Um, his personality and his and how he communicates with them is very different. And so at most times, too, I felt like sometimes they weren't always getting the right message across. The languages just weren't there. Um and that's just two different, mm-hmm. I want to say, yeah, two different cultures, company mm-hmm. cultures. Yeah. You can't speak to Pandora the same way you speak to Ticketfly and vice versa. Um, you know, when Pandora came and speak to us at our all hands, we're just like, oh, my gosh, what? Like, mm-hmm. We're somewhat bored. But we also, <laughs> because you're new, right, like you're kind of stealing us. We don't know if we like you just yet. And then Andrew goes to speak there, and he's, like, the cool guy. Mm -hmm. You know, he Mm -hmm. can get on their level. He relates to, like, the younger Mm -hmm. rock and roll people, the Mm -hmm. burners and Mm -hmm. all of this stuff. So um, it's just really kind of perspective on how people looked at us and how we looked at them. Yeah. And what about with the transition or acquisition to Eventbrite? What types of um, culture and or other challenges did you encounter? (laughs) So um, that transition was interesting only because it Eventbrite was just so huge to us, and it was just so shocking. And to a lot of people, it was it was kind of like a, a like a knife to the heart a little bit because we knew that Ticketfly would be more integrated into Eventbrite than Pandora. Mm, you wouldn't be a standalone like you had been. No, <clears throat> no. And we were fully, you know, aware of that with Pandora because they, you know, explained how the product wouldn't change. It would just be side by side with Pandora. Um, with Eventbrite, you know, it's ticketing. So, of course, they're going to go to Eventbrite. Um, and so during that time, I went on leave <laughs> Um, I had fully known about the when the announcement was coming. We had planned all, you know, planned all these things, the party. Um, and I went on maternity leave. And from my understanding, the move-in was fairly fast. It was moving all of 111 Townsend, all 150-odd people mm-hmm. into um, 155 right. Street. So, so you actually, unlike the Pandora move, you actually... Yeah. Pulled out of your own space. We pulled out of Townsend. Fully assimilated. Fully just moved Hot Topic into Abercrombie, and there we were. Like, that is what happened. And and this like West Side Story. It was crazy. So then I come back, and I come back to this um, table of other EAs. There was, like, 10. And I, I was, like, beside myself because I, I felt like – you know when you walk into the cafeteria at a new school and you're the mm. new kid, and you're just like, oh. yeah, like you transferred mid-year and everybody already has friends. Everyone has friends, and you, so you try to, to find with. the ones oh, that you know, know you kind exactly. of know. Yeah, and you're too scared, so you just go sit at your desk. Yeah, you know, and eat. Yeah. And so, um, I, I immediately, I was like, I need to get used to this. Like, this is a whole new. 
ballpark. I'm in their house. I need to follow their rules now. Um, and that that was kind of a turning, a little bit of a turning point for me. I was like, I'm I'm fully integrated. None of this is mine now. Mm-hmm. Um, this building is not mine. Right. And that was the thing too, where my manager at the time was still Lori mm-hmm. from Ticket Fly, um, and she said, you know, do you want to be part of the office operations side, or do you want to stay with Andrew? Um, obviously I wanted to stay with Andrew. Um, on the flip side, I love office management. It's, you know, it's dirty, it's scrappy. There's always something going on. But at the end of the day, I was like, office management, it's, it's a lot. And I already knew that they were fully well-established in that function there. So I stayed with Andrew. It was, it was a, a quick like, oh, let me think about it. No, I'm going to mm-hmm. – I'll stay with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, I got there with all 10 EAs, you know, one of them actually – and I quote, I walked in one day with a hoodie and a beanie on. And she says, Mel, you look very ticket fly today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was basically, you know, it was night and day. Yeah. Well, they were letting you know there's a new code of conduct. Yes. And we have a, we wear a different uniform here. Exactly. Um, and it was very apparent that I did work also. I worked differently than they did. And the reason, you know, you work differently is because your executive works differently. Um, and they recognized that once they got to know Andrew, how he operated. And in turn, that's how I operated. And how did that impact the collaboration, though? Right? Because I think that that's one of the inherent I would assume, you know, challenges of going through an acquisition is like what we talked about, marrying operating styles. But how does that impact the collaboration? Because that EA table that you described, you guys definitely need to be able to collaborate with each other, Mm -hmm. draw on each other, leverage each other at times to get things done, to coordinate your executives or whatever it might be. So how does that impact those discussions? Yeah, so a lot of the times when we would get together, it would it would be just that. It would be we get our lunch and we all have a laptop. So Andrew was on his own time most of the time. And that was clearly frustrating to a lot of people. And so therefore, you know, it was my job to be like, hey, dude, we need this answer like today. And so I got a little bit more. I don't want to use the word naggy, but. I think it could have been a little more naggy to Andrew to Andrew to get me answers for things that were needed to, you know, other e-staffers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did that. It was just more of a we needed to pick up the pace and think faster um, a little better than we did before. Yeah, um, that's really interesting, though. Right. Like just I think the the part about you creating an accountability framework for him, because that's really what it is, is, okay, it's not just us running our own show now. You now are accountable to all of these other people, and I'm here to help you stay accountable and let you know when you're you're slowing things down, when you're bottlenecking, like, that's, that becomes a different element that gets introduced into your role. Yes. And it was help, it was helpful, too, to have those other EAs, because sometimes there were times where I didn't even know, you know, that Andrew had homework, so to speak. And so 
for them to come to me and be like, hey, Mel, we need we needed this from Andrew yesterday for tomorrow's board meeting or something. And I'm like, oh, my God. OK. And then, you know, it's like 6 p.m. the night before. And so I'm like texting or calling or shooting an email and being like urgent. You know, this is needed. And he's always been very responsive to me. Um, and so I think that, you know, when I started nagging him, he's like, OK, this is like. I'm way behind and mm-hmm. I need to get this done. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I th- also feel like for both of us, it was really hard for the the ticket fly to Eventbrite transition because, like you said, it's it, we were no longer running it. It wasn't ours anymore. Um, and so that's like, you know, his baby. He's He just let it go a little bit. And so other people are making decisions for him. A lot of the times, you know, it was in our, like, music, all hands and things like that. Messages would go out and we would say, this is happening. Um, And, you know, sometimes it's a little heartbreaking. It's not exactly where we saw it was going or, you know, things, little things like that where we had it all and then now it's, we have half of it. Well, you surrender control and you surrender some of the ownership. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's sort of an inevitability in, in the acquisition process. There's the other things that you gain, obviously, but it, everything is a trade-off. Everything was a Everything. trade-off. Yeah. yeah. And and when I came back also, I was still like the party planner. And that was like our – what Ticket Fly I feel like has always been known for anytime someone – it's weird to say – anytime someone acquires us, like they <laughs> – they like know that we throw really awesome parties – and that was another hard thing to do also was like, how do I spend and throw a party for three times as many people now and follow the finance team's rules? Like there's new rules now and there's new policies. And, you know, now there's now there's an actual PO process. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you look at it and you're like, that's an eye roll. Like, and now I have to do a PO. I can't just use my credit card. You know, all of those little yeah. clicks that you have to do and yeah. wait to get it approved. And yeah. so everything took twice as long for me to do. Sure. And everything had to go through another layer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all well and fine. It's just, you know, okay, well, this is how it is. So I need to plan way ahead of time, I need to change my work style a little bit more than what I'm used to. Well, what I really appreciate about your story, too, is like the most important decision that you made was the first one that you asked yourself, which was, am I going to be ride or die with Andrew? (laughs) (laughs) Right? And you said, nope, this is what I, I made this commitment. I gave him two years plus a wedding invitation. So this is it. Like, I choose you. And it's interesting because everything that flows from that decision, you know, obviously it's all all of those other subsequent experiences that you have are a result of that fundamental decision. But Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you were really confident in your choice and you were like, whatever it is, whatever is going to happen as a result of me choosing Andrew, I'm prepared for it. I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to roll with it because I chose him. And so all of these other things, like you said, I mean, yeah, like they did present challenges. They did present um, adjustments. And I'm sure at times that you didn't use this word. I'm using this word for you. Frustrations. Right. Like there was all these things that that resulted because of that choice. But I think you go back to 
why am I here? Why am I in this? Oh, right, because it's in service of this individual who I really ultimately care about and want to do right by. Exactly. So there's a lot of acquisitions that go on in the Valley. There's a lot of acquisitions that go on outside of the Valley. I'm sure that many, many, many of our listeners today, if they haven't been through an acquisition, they probably will face one at one time or another. So what what advice would you give to other executive assistants that are going to go through something like what you did, and how should they be prepared to navigate? I think the biggest thing would be to just be open-minded. Be open-minded, be extremely adaptable, um, and understand that you know your executive is going through it with you, whether they've been through one or five, it's always going to be different. It's never going to be the same. Um, and there's always going to be new frustrations for them and for you. Um, and it's just, you have to like work through all of those. And that I think is when you decide, you go back to why you, you know, why you're there. You always go back to your why. Um, and that's, that's always going to be helpful. Um, and just change is always going to, going to happen. And it's just, it's going to allow you to grow. Um, I, I wouldn't mind going through another one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wouldn't mind going through, if I was still at Eventbrite, going through another one with Eventbrite. Um, I think it helps also when you have the support of your executives and, you know, the people that you work with that are around you, um, And I think it helps to just also talk about it. Like if you have some reservations or you're hesitant about staying or, you know, you're unsure of what your role is going to look like for you and your executive when you go to that other place, talk about it because it it could change. It could not change. Um, You might end up going there and your responsibilities are not going to be the same responsibilities. Um, and so it's just going to have to be a lot of communication and a lot of transparency mm-hmm. on both parts. Mm-hmm. And how do you think you've grown as a result of going through these experiences? I think I've I've really well-rounded my like relationship building skills. I've gained so much knowledge from a lot of the EAs that I've had the pleasure of working with. I mean, like I said, Pandora had a lot of experienced EAs. Um, and Eventbrite had a lot of experienced EAs, not, not like the Pandora ones. I mean, two different generations Mm -hmm. completely as far as people and company. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've learned to fine tune, you know, how I communicate with different people and just reading them, um, reading the room, reading body language really well, um, and just kind of grasping different just a bunch of different people skills. Um, you're gonna like you're gonna work with so many different personalities because that EA that's sitting in the blue corner is the perfect EA for whoever they support. And that's not gonna be you. That's not gonna be the same person as you at all. And so to have a group of people who are all different and who work seamlessly with their executive, um, learn from them. Because there's always going to be something that they do well that you don't. And you may not know it yet, but you'll pick up on it. Yeah, that's great. 
So, final question for you today. Mm-hmm. Uh, something we ask of all of our guests, which is, if you could support anyone in the world throughout time, who would you choose and why? <laughs> this is like the hardest question. I know. I... Oh, my goodness. I was thinking about this. I mean, if you want to know why I was staying up at night, it was this question. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would support Sandra O. Oh. Okay. She, I feel like, is just a strong, like, woman actress who's really broken down barriers for herself and a lot of people and have, like, she's just, like, given a voice to those who haven't, who never gave her one. And so... Just watching her through 10 years of Grey's and then to go and just kick ass on Killing Eve, which if you have not seen it. Check it out. Check it out. You're going to be obsessed. Um, she would be who I'd, I'd want to support. I love that. You know what? We haven't had that answer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a first. It's a reach first. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I knew this was going to be a fun discussion, and you certainly made it really fun. And um, I really appreciate everything that you shared about just all of the experiences that you've that you've gone through and how they really helped morph you. You know, and ultimately, like made you better, right? Yes. So I think there is a silver lining to even the moments of frustration that are inevitably going to arise going through stuff like this. I think like remembering your commitment, that first commitment that you made and just seeing it through and knowing that it will help shape you and morph you and um, continue to evolve you. You know, there's only good things that can come of that. Yes. So, yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. It was fun. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. You can learn more about Maven at www.mavenrec.com. Mm-hmm.